so good to uh, just be able to praise God freely, have freedom in worship. And uh, Brother, thank you so much. You do such a great job. I, one of my life verses is um, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And there's a reason for that. That's about all I can do. <laughs> I'm not much of a singer, but the Bible says I don't have to be much of a singer. I can just make a joyful noise unto the Lord. You know, let me tell you why, because I'm not singing for y'all. Or I wasn't trying to sing for y'all, but this morning I happened to leave my mic on while I was singing. And so before I even get started preaching, let me apologize for my singing. But if y'all can stand it, I guess I can stand it. But brothers, if you will, please, in the booth, thank you for all you do. And I know you have to keep track of me all the time. And I throw some curveballs at you. But you ever hear me singing, just go ahead and turn my mic off. If I, I forgot it and didn't mean to. That's all right. We can make a joyful noise unto the Lord, and thank you for doing that this morning. The Bible says that he inhabits the praise of his people, so we're going to keep praising Jesus. Amen? And we're going to keep lifting him up, for he alone is worthy. Take your Bibles today, turn to Acts chapter 16, and I want to share with you one of my absolute favorite stories in all of the Word of God. It's the story of Paul and Silas, and uh, here in Acts 16, they're actually on their second missionary journey, and they've been imprisoned in a Philippian jail. Now, it just blesses my soul every time I think about what God did in the life of the Apostle Paul. You see, folks, Paul used to be Saul, and Saul of Tarsus was probably the foremost persecutor of the saints. He was doing everything he could and going everywhere he could go, trying to destroy this new way, the Christian faith, where people were believing upon Jesus and living out the principles of Jesus in their daily life. And man, God was doing a work in the early church and people were being saved by the thousands. People were being healed in the streets. God was doing what only God could do by his power. And a lot of the religious crowd got mad about it. And so they began to send Paul out as a persecutor. He was imprisoning saints and he even held the coats of the men who stoned Stephen. Now you remember Stephen. The Bible says that Stephen was a, a powerful man of God who was actually doing miracles by the power of God and preaching boldly the gospel of Christ. And so again, the religious institution of that day got mad about it, the Sanhedrin in Jerusalem, and they actually stoned Stephen to death, not because he had done something wrong, but because he had done something right. He preached the gospel, he walked in the power of the Holy Spirit, God was using him mightily, and they stoned him. And while they were stoning him, Paul was there, and he actually said, guys, if you're going to kill this man by throwing rocks at him, you've got to be able to throw a rock, so hand me your coat. And so he stood there and held their coats as these men stoned Stephen, the Bible says, him looking up into heaven and calling upon the name of the Lord. So that's the guy we're talking about, uh, Saul of Tarsus. He was on his way to Damascus to imprison some other believers, to persecute them. And on the road to Damascus, the Bible says that he met the risen Savior. He met the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he met the risen, risen uh, Christ, when he met Jesus, there on the road to Damascus, everything changed. First of all, his name changed. He went from being Saul of Tarsus to being the Apostle Paul. And there's a reason that his name changed. Said, Brother, what, what, why, why would his name have changed? Because his identity changed. His identity is truly who he is. And all of that changed when he met the risen Christ. See, Paul went from being the foremost persecutor of the gospel to being the foremost preacher of the gospel. Paul went from being the, the one who hated the gospel message to the one who helped preach and speak. 
spread the gospel message. Paul went from being someone who was relying upon his religion to actually having a relationship with the God he claimed to serve. And so everything changed in this brother's life. He went from being Saul of Tarsus to the Apostle Paul, going on three missionary journeys all over the known world at that time, starting churches everywhere he was going. He would preach the gospel. People would get saved by the power of the Holy Spirit. And when they got saved, they would form these small bodies of believers, these churches here, there, everywhere that him and his missionary team were going. And then he began writing back letters to these churches. And these letters that we have in the New Testament that Paul wrote to the churches that he started by the power of God, it really makes up the majority of the New Testament. About 13 books we know the Apostle Paul wrote. I actually believe it's 14. I believe he wrote the book of Hebrews. Now, you don't have to believe that. A lot of people don't. But I believe when you read the writings of Paul and all the other stuff we knew, we know he wrote, and then you read Hebrews, I, I don't think you can really discredit his writing of it. I mean, he, he is a fantastic, amazing, powerful man of God that the Lord used mightily. God changed Paul, and then Paul, by the power of God, changed the world. It's, it's, it's amazing when I think about it. The Apostle Paul, his testimony speaks grace, amen? And folks, listen, grace, hope for a better tomorrow and a blessed tomorrow. See, if, if God can take someone like Saul of Tarsus and make him the Apostle Paul, then what can he do with me? What can he do with you? What can he do with my tomorrow? What can he do with your tomorrow? Can it be better? Can it be blessed? Well, if it was better and blessed for this brother, it can be better and blessed for us. It speaks of grace, this testimony. It speaks of hope for a better and blessed tomorrow. I love this brother. So thankful for him. I, it would be hard to argue that anyone has done more for the cause of Christ before or since the ministry of Paul the Apostle. But here we find him in Acts chapter 16. He's been imprisoned, the Bible says. You say, wait a minute, brother, he's that great of a man of God. If he's doing that much for the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, if he's become the foremost preacher of the gospel, starting churches everywhere, then why in the world would God let him get in prison? That's a good question. See, I, I want to I make something extremely clear to you this morning. I want you to get a hold of this. I know this goes against a lot of the teaching and preaching that you're hearing today, but I want you to understand and know that Jesus didn't come just to get us out of trouble, but Jesus came to get into trouble with us. I want you to know that the Christian life, your faith in Christ that should govern your life as a believer, as Christ followers, it's not about the absence of problems. It is, however, about the addition of God's power to help you through whatever problem you face. It's not that you won't deal with stuff. Everybody's going to deal with stuff. But it's the God of heaven that helps you make it through whatever stuff you're dealing with. Whatever your stuff is. Because I got some stuff and you got some stuff. We all got some stuff. And we find ourselves from time to time... Uh, being brought down and burdened in this dungeon of stuff. And really that's where we find the Apostle Paul and Silas here in Acts chapter number 16. So I know a lot of people tell you that God wants you healthy, wealthy, and wise. And sometimes that's true. But sometimes God allows problems, persecutions, tribulations, trials, and dungeon experiences into our lives for 
some very good reasons. That's what we find here. Let's read together Acts chapter 16, starting, let's just start with verse number 16. Everybody look there with me. Acts 16, verse 16, and it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. So here you have this lady who is possessed by a demonic spirit, and he's hindering, she is hindering, because of the authority of the demonic spirit in her life, he's hindering, uh, she's hindering the prayer meeting that they're going to. And, and folks, let me say something to you but right here before we go any further. I can promise you if there's one thing Satan always wants to do, is going to try to do, is keep you from meeting together with believers so that you can pray and worship the Lord. Because how many of you know there's power in prayer? How many of you know there's power in worship? How many of you understand, like I, like I said before, that when we lift up Jesus, he draws all men into himself. And when we come together as a body of Christ, we come together to lift him up. Lift him up through preaching. Lift him up through teaching. Lift him up through praying. Lift him up through praising. However we can lift him up, that's what we're going to do. Why? Because we want him to draw all men into himself. And so if Satan can hinder that, He's always going to do it. That's why it's so hard if you get church on Sunday morning sometimes. Amen? I mean, we, we can make it uh, everywhere else we got to get to, whether it be at 7 o'clock in the morning or 8 o'clock in the morning. I've got to be at work at 6.30 in the morning. Uh, some are, My kids got to be at school at 8 o'clock in the morning. And it seems always easier to make it to all those places than it is to make it to church. There's always going to be some type of hindrance that tries to keep you from doing and being what God wants you to do and be. And that's what happens with the Apostle Paul. Now, husbands, y'all going to know a little bit of what I'm talking about because if you're like me, there have been times that you're sitting in the car honking the holy horn, waiting on your wife and kids to get ready on a Sunday morning. And not, 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 a, not a real long honk because we don't want to go that far yet, just a little beep beep, just letting them know we, if you don't come on get in the car, we're going to be late. All of y'all have been in the car on the way to church on Sunday morning and the kids are going buck wild in the back seat. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Hey, they, they, uh, they fighting and, and, and they, they talking bad about one another in the back seat and many times I'm driving like this with one hand and spanking with the other hand. Trying to get them to settle down, act right. We on our way to church for goodness sake. And so then I'm getting with the kids and they're mad at me and mama's mad at me because I've got on to the kids and it's a whole rigmarole on the way to church and then I get out on a Sunday morning and the first thing I say is good to see you brother, glad to be at church this morning. <laughs> Ain't that how we do? That's how we do. But it always seems to be a hindrance. Now, I'm not saying my wife's demon possessed, don't get me wrong. <laughs> Or my kids, I'm just saying if Satan can use anything to hinder you from going to prayer and worship, he's going to do that. He's going to do that. And that's what happened here. Let's go on. Let's, let's, let's see what else it says. Verse 17. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto you the way of salvation. And this did she many days. 
And the Bible says, But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And, she, and he came out. That demonic spirit came out the same hour. Verse 19. And when our masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace, into the rulers, and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates, magistrates rent off their clothes and demanded and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes, everybody say many stripes. Not some stripes, but many stripes were laid upon their back and they cast them into the prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison. Does everybody see that? And made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, and so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. Verse 28, But, but Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, we're all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in all your house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in the house. And he took them that same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized he and all his straightway. When he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for who you are and for what you've done. Thank you that you have the power to shake prison doors loose. I'm thankful this morning that you set free all who put their trust in you. I'm thankful this morning that we are free indeed if the Son sets us free. I'm thankful today that whatever, wherever we find ourselves in, wherever we are in our own individual lives, you are able to meet our needs. God, I don't know the needs of these people, but you know them. Some need to be saved, and I'm praying that you save them. Some need encouragement, and I pray that you encourage them. Some need edification, and I pray that you build them up. Some, Lord, this morning need what only you can do for them. And I pray you do just that in Jesus' name. Amen. So they found themselves in the dungeon. Now, if you think jails are bad today, I want you to think about the jail that Paul and Silas found themselves in. I mean, this dungeon, the Bible says, was in the inner prison. There, were, there was no access to natural light. It was a dark place. Not only was it a dark place, but you've got to remember it had no running water. Therefore, it had no toilet. Uh, you you got to think about them being put, the Bible says, into the stocks. So where they were chained is where they would stay for the remainder of their visit. They had to sit in the same position, however they were sitting, however they were chained and could not move. So now think about the situation. Here you have Paul and Silas sitting in the dungeon in the dark, having been beaten, their backs lacerated with the whip. The Bible says they laid many stripes upon them. And here they sit in someone else's waist in the stocks in the dark dungeon. That's a pretty bad situation to be in. Wouldn't you agree? 
Now, let me ask you something. Have you ever been in the dungeon? You say, Brother Israel, I've never been in a dungeon like you're describing, like the Word of God says they were in. Well, you may have never been in a literal dungeon, but I can promise you we've all had dungeon experiences. Amen? I'm talking about the dungeon of disappointment. Anybody ever been in the dungeon of disappointment? Let me tell you what disappointment is. Disappointment is when things don't work out like you think they ought to work out. Has that ever happened to you? See, I, I've, for years... Uh, I, I forget who it was that said God laughs at the plans of men. And I think that's the truth. He certainly does because I had certain things planned out just like they were supposed to go. Just like it was supposed to happen. Uh, what I was supposed to be. How I was going to get there. Uh, how my career was going to go. You have all of these plans that you think are going to be perfect the way you see perfect. That happens with your professional life, but it also happens in your family life, don't it? You have this idea of what the perfect family experience is supposed to look like. I mean, a wife, um, a two kids, a picket fence. I mean, you've got the American dream that you uh, realize in your own mind, that you dream uh, within yourself. But when things don't work out like you want them to work out, whether it be professionally or relationally with your family, um, then it sometimes causes great disappointment in your heart. It causes great disappointment to really weigh you down and keep you in that inner prison, really. And it happens to all of us from time to time. We find it all throughout the Word of God. It's not just for us. Um, it's for many people that we see on the pages of Scripture. Let me give you something that the psalmist said. Psalm 121, the Bible tells us in verse number 1, Something that I think we need to look at this morning that will help you, me, and everybody else. Psalm 121, verse 1, the Bible tells us plainly, I love it, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills. I like this verse. Now, if he has to lift up his head, what does that mean? It must mean his head's hung low. If he's got to lift his eyes, that means he's hanging his head down. Now, we all know what hanging your head means. I was sitting at a ball game yesterday, and some young men had just got finished playing their hearts out, and they'd suffered a tough loss, and all of them were walking off the field with their head down. And I heard one of the coaches say, Boys, get your head up. You played a good game. You've had a good season. Now, what did it mean when they were walking off with their head down? It simply meant things didn't work out like they thought it ought to work out, like they'd planned for it to work out. So they were disappointed, and they had hung their head low. But now, the Bible says, when you get, got your head hanging low because of disappointment, what we must do, what we got to do, what we need to do, what I'm telling you straight from the Word of God to do this morning is look unto the hills. Lift your eyes. Look unto the hills. From whence comes your help? How many know we all got a helper? Praise God. You have got a helper in the person of the Holy Spirit if you're a child of God, if you've been born again. You've got a helper called the Holy Spirit that will help you through whatever time of disappointment you might face. Sometimes we find ourselves in the dungeon of disappointment. There's other times we find ourselves in the dungeon of depression. De depression comes when I believe you don't deal with your disappointment. Amen. When you keep letting your disappointment hang on and drag you down, pretty soon you'll find yourself in the dungeon of depression. Now that's not only true for us, but that's also true for King David. See, the Bible says that King David was the man after God's own heart. I love that. 
I love King David. He's my favorite brother I read about on the pages of Scripture. I mean, he's my hero. I'm telling you, King David loved Jesus. King David praised the Lord. King David was a man's man. He was a warrior. I mean, listen to me. He had praised Jesus, but he'd get in the gravel with you too if you wanted to. That's who King David was. I mean, he was, a, he was something else. Lord used him greatly. God used David, and he said of David that the kingdom would never depart from David's family. It was through the lineage of King David that God brought the Savior of the world to a, a, a manger in Bethlehem. And so God loved David and David loved the Lord. But let me tell you why I believe he's the man after God's own heart. Because he's just real with God. See, when David was happy and he felt like praising the Lord, he just praised the Lord and he told the Lord uh, how much he loved him. But then also you see in David's writings there was times that he didn't feel like he was on the mountaintop, but he was way down in the valley. And when he was way down in the valley, he'd tell God that too. Go to Psalm 42. Watch what he says. Psalm chapter number 42. Look what it says there. We're just going to read the whole thing, man, because it's good. Psalm 42, verse 1. As the heart or the deer pants after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee. Have you ever needed God that bad? I love to hunt. If there's one thing that I have found out about deer, they will risk life and limb to get to the water. In a place that I used to hunt pretty regularly, I, would, I was pretty much in there every weekend, and so they got used to me being there. And I can remember those deer coming out into the green field where I was hunting, and right out in the middle of it, there was a, a freshwater spring that would just bubble up out of the ground. And those deer would come out of the woods to my right. And when they came out, they would step one foot out in the field and look straight up at the shooting house where I was to see if I was in there. Every time. They got used to it. They would look up there. And even if I was in there, and I believe they knew it, they would walk right on across that field right out in front of me to get to the spring of water. Why? They wanted it that bad. They were desperate for it. You ever been so desperate for God that you're willing to risk everything to get to Him? Because that's what David's talking about. Why is he in this position? Watch. Verse number two. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God, whom I shall, shall I come and appear before the Lord. My tears have been my meat day and night. You ever experienced some of those days? Will you cry? Do you just cry it out? You don't know what more to cry about? That's where David is. He said, my tears have been my meat day and night. While they continually say to me, where is thy God? You ever had those thoughts creep into your mind? Lord, if you're really who you say you are and you love me like you say you love me, then why are you allowing this time of disappointment that leads to depression, this dungeon that's keeping me trapped? Out of the light, why are you keeping me in this place? Why have you allowed this into my life? That's where David was. And I think if we're honest, we all have found ourselves to some degree in that place. Had we? You're not alone in this. Verse number four. When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had 
gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and praise. And the multitude uh, they, that kept the holy day. He said, I'd go to the church and praise. But look at verse 5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? He said, I, I'll praise in the church, but I still feel like I'm cast down. And while thou disappointed in me, hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. What's David saying? He's getting his mind right. He's getting his mind right. Let me tell you how sometimes you've got to get your mind right. You've got to speak to yourself. Anybody ever talk to yourself? My wife and kids accuse me of this all the time. And I'm pretty guilty, to be honest. Huh? Matter of fact, I was sitting in the house the other night, and I was carrying on my conversation with myself, and this is what Gage always says, Dad, you're always doing this. And he said, are you preparing a sermon? I said, sometimes I am. Sometimes I am. Sometimes I'm talking over some stuff that I need to talk over with me. Sometimes you got to get your mind right. And you got to realize, you got to tell yourself, hey, listen, things may look bad, things may be bad, but I know who my God is. I know in whom I've trusted. And I'm persuaded that He is able to keep that which I've commended unto thee against that day. I'm persuaded that he hath, that hath begun the good work in me will perform it unto the day of redemption, Philippians 1.6. I'm, I'm, I'm believing that the author and the finisher of my faith, what he started, he will continue and he will finish. You got to get your mind right. My wife bought me a coffee cup a few years ago for Christmas. It says, I talk to myself all the time. Sometimes I need expert advice. Nobody knows you like you. And so sometimes you've got to reinforce what you know to be real, what you know to be true. And that's what David is doing right here. He said, I'm going to put my hope in God. Oh, my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the uh, Hermonites and from the hill of Mizar. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And the night his song shall be with me. And my prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto God my rock. Why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me. While they say daily unto me, where is thy God? Verse 11, I love verse 11. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? You need to ask yourself that question. See, if you're a believer, listen to me now. If you've been born again into God's family, regardless of all that's wrong in your life, you've got a whole lot that's right. Regardless of how dark it looks today, you have a God in heaven that has not abdicated His throne. He is still in control. And the God I read about in the pages of the Scripture I also call my heavenly Father. So, oh my soul, why are you cast down? Things may be wrong. But as a believer, you've got a lot right too. Amen? He says, why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. Here it is. He's talking to his whole, David, hope in the Lord. That's what he's saying. Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him. Who is the health of my countenance? Who's going to lift up my face? 
It, it's amazing to me. There's so many Christians who look like they've been baptized in pickle juice. You ever seen them? They ain't happy about nothing. You, you can't make them happy. A lot of times they'll sit in a church service like this with their arms folded and just say, Preacher, make me smile. You ever been around folks like that? Hey, you, you get up in the morning and you're feeling good and you get to work and you say, Man, ain't it a pretty day? Well, the Lord's blessed us with some nice fall weather. Well, it's going to rain tomorrow. You ever been around people like that? Boy, I tell you what, man, I'm so glad. Let me tell you what happened to us. We actually got a cost of living raise a few months back. 3% cost of living raise. Praise God for 3%. I'll take it. I like it. 3% is 3%. Hey, I'm good with it. Could it have been more? Possibly. I don't care. I got 3%. Praise the Lord. And I'm telling you, we had people at my workplace that were fighting mad because it was only 3%. You can't even make some people happy giving them money. It's amazing. It's amazing. Let me tell you what the problem is because their hope is in stuff. Their hope is in prosperity. Their hope is in the things they grasp in this world. David said, you're the only one Lord that can lift my countenance. That can make me smile. Even in the midst of hard times. He goes on to say this. He says, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance. He's my God. He's your God, say amen. Listen, if you've been born again, you may have something wrong, but you've got a lot that's right too. Keep looking to the Lord. Sometimes we find ourselves in the dungeon of disappointment, which can lead to depression. Sometimes we find ourselves in the dungeon of defeat. Anybody ever been there? Where you feel defeated and cast down. Maybe you've fallen into a temptation, something or other in your life that you know is not pleasing unto God. Maybe you have that stuff that keeps hanging on to you and dragging you down. And you just can't shake some habits that you know are not godly and pleasing to Him. Let me tell you something. God's able. God's able. Ephesians 3.20 says, For I am persuaded that He is able to do what is exceedingly, abundantly, above all that I can ask or think. How? According to the power that works in me. God's able. Whatever you find, whatever dungeon you find yourself in this morning, how are you going to deal with it? That's the title of my message. How do you deal with your dungeon? Well, how did Paul deal with his? See, this is how we look to the Word of God. We don't just look to it as stories, but as help for our life. It's application of God's truth unto ourselves so that we might be what God wants us to be. So how do we apply what, God, what Paul and Silas did unto our own personal lives. Three things that I want to give you. First of all, they prayed. Let's look down. The Bible says in um, Acts chapter number 16, <coughs> verse 25, and at midnight, and at midnight, in the midnight of this situation, in the middle of the dungeon, in the darkest place in the prison, the Bible says they prayed. They prayed. They prayed. Listen to what Billy Graham says about prayer. Billy Graham says that prayer is not 
overcoming God's reluctance to give you what you want, but it's realizing God's willingness to give you what you need. Let me tell you what E.M. Bounds says about prayer. He's probably the, I'm going to say the, um, the greatest writer on prayer that I've ever read. If you want to read some good books on prayer, write down E.M. Bounds. There are several of, I think he's got seven books just on prayer, but that brother right there knew how to pray powerfully. And he said that we as believers can do much for Jesus after we have prayed, but little for Jesus effectively until we have prayed. See, I believe that prayer is powerful because of who's listening. How about you? The Bible says in 1 John 5, 14 that we are confident that if we ask anything in accordance to his will, he hears us. Do you know when you pray, God hears you? I cannot tell you what a blessing it is to pray about stuff nobody else knows about. And I do this regularly. I don't make it known to anybody else. Now, don't get me wrong now. It's good to have people praying for you and with you. I'm not saying that. But there's some things I can't share with you, brother. Some things you ain't going to understand in my life. Right? And so there's some stuff I'm not going to share with, and my wife is my best friend in the world, but I'm not, I can't share a lot of things with her. But I'm thankful I've got a friend that sticks closer than a brother who is my ever-present help in the time of need. I'm thankful that I can come boldly to the throne of grace and find help in the time of need, Hebrews 4.16. I'm thankful that I can pray without ceasing daily and make my needs known to the Lord. I'm thankful for the power of prayer because of who's listening. If God can speak the world into existence, what can't he do? What can he do? A great evangelist years ago was preaching in a revival service in Chicago, Illinois. After the service, a lady walked up to him and said, Sir, do you think we ought to pray about the little things? It's a good question. It's a good question. You know what he said? He said, Sister to God, they're all little things. I mean, if we really believe what the scripture says about who God is, that he's a star-breathing, mountain-moving, sea-splitting, dead-raising God of the scriptures, then what can he do for us? There's a lot of blessings getting moldy up in heaven because nobody's asking for them. Are you asking, Mount Zion Baptist Church? Are you asking? Don't pray little prayers. Pray big prayers. I'm not, you know what I prayed for? Two years, three, well, no more than that now. Probably, God, time flies, doesn't it? How long have we been? Seven years? Eight years? Eight years ago, you know what I prayed for? A hundred people, faithful people, a hundred people. Well, until this virus hit, we were having 115, 120 weekly. You know what I found out? I prayed too small. Why not only pray for a hundred? I mean, the first Sunday we was here, there's 33. So why did I only pray for a hundred? If God can God give us a hundred, can't God give us two hundred? Don't pray small prayers, pray big prayers. Why? Because God's big. Does he care about the little things? Absolutely. Pray about the little things, but also pray about the big things. Trust him. Pray in faith, believing God's able.
Prayer is what Paul and Silas did. But let me tell you what else they did. They praised. Now think about it. Here you have these brothers who had to be in the dungeon of disappointment. You may tell you why? God led them there. God told them to go to Philippi. Look, go back in Acts chapter 16, just a few verses, to verse number 6. And when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. So Paul had a plan to go to Asia. That's where he was going to take the gospel message. Now, watch what it says in verse 7. After they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go down to Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they, passing by Mysia, came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man in Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over in that Macedonia and help us. So God, the Holy Spirit, through a vision, told Paul which way they should go. So God had told them where they were supposed to go. And when they get there, they're doing exactly what God told them to do. Now listen, listen to me. Prayer brought Paul to the place he was. If you go on and read, let's go on, brothers. Let's read on through this, 16.9. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and, watch, prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. Verse 10. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. God's leading them there. Verse 11, Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothracia, and the next day to Neapolis. And from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony, and we were in that city abiding certain days. Watch verse 13. Don't miss verse 13. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city by a riverside. Watch that. Where prayer, everybody say prayer. Where prayer was wont to be made. So prayer brought Paul to Macedonia. Would you agree? See, I think this prayer meeting that was happening right there by the riverside is that God would grow his church, that God would be glorified. And so God sent his men to preach the gospel so that souls might be saved, so that the church might grow, so that God might be glorified. Prayer brought him there. Prayer got him into the situation. And sometimes that's hard for us to think about, isn't it? I mean, I, sometimes I can understand when I'm, when I've done got stupid, and I've missed God in some way in my life, and I'm not living out my faith like I should, I'm not following the Lord as closely as I should. Why things don't happen like the I want them to happen like they need to happen? I can understand that. But sometimes what I what I struggle with is when I'm trying to do everything I can do. I'm trying to be led by the Spirit. I'm trying to let God lead, guide, and direct me. I'm trying to to walk closely and live at the foot of the cross. I'm trying to do those things, and then the rug gets jerked out from under me. That ever happened to you? Am I the only one? When it seems though life sneaks up on you. And Jerks that rug up under your feet and you fall flat on your face and you wonder, Lord, what in the world is going on? See, it's in those moments true worship takes place. Let me tell you what true worship is. First of all, true worship is us praising God with our lips that translates into our lives simply because of who God is. That's true worship. Where we miss it sometimes is we only praise God for what He does. 
Now, please don't misunderstand me. We ought to praise God for what he does. I've got shoes on my feet, clothes on my back, food in the cupboard, healthy babies, a great wife who loves the Lord and loves me, great church that God is working in. Praise the Lord. He's done a lot for me. But now listen, if I didn't have any of that, God's still worthy of praise. If I lose all that, God's still worthy of praise. And I hope and pray that I can be just like Paul. And when I'm in the dungeon of disappointment and depression, that I can still praise God in spite of my circumstances. If you wait till you feel like praising God, you're going to miss out on a lot of opportunities to glorify Him. If God never does one more thing for me, He's done enough right now because of my salvation that I can praise Him throughout all eternity. I've missed hell and gained heaven. My sins have been forgiven. I've got the peace of God that passeth all understanding, peace for living and peace for dying. I've got the joy of the Lord, joy unspeakable and full of glory. I know God listens to me. Wow. He's answered my prayers. Prayers that nobody else knew about. He's done enough. They prayed. They praised. Now watch this. They proclaimed. They proclaimed. Watch. <laughs> I love this part. I love this part. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. The prisoners heard them. The prisoners heard these brothers that they knew had just been beaten in the midst of of the moans of the living and the groans of the dying, these brothers that had just had stripes laid upon their back, praise God, fastened the stocks. And the prisoners heard them. And the prisoners heard them. And the prisoners heard them. I'm talking about the people in the cells around them heard them. I'm talking about the people that was looking and listening saw and heard them. He said, Brother, what are you talking about? There's people around you looking and listening. Because they've heard you name the name of Jesus and claim the name of Jesus. They've heard you talk about how good God is. They've heard you, saw you stand for the Lord. They're still looking, even when you find yourself in the dungeon. The dungeon of disappointment, the dungeon of depression, the dungeon of defeat. Even when you're going through those tough situations in their life, they're still looking. And what a testimony for them to see when a child of God stays faithful, stands strong, prays and praises when the going gets tough. What a testimony. It's easy to serve Jesus when things are going great. It's easy to serve Jesus in places like this. Everybody wants to serve Jesus in here. Everybody wants to sing how great is our God in here. Everybody wants to pray in here. I love to preach in here. The true test is when I go out there. <laughs> when I live my day-to-day -day life, when I encounter these dungeons we all encounter. Paul and Silas. Prayed, yes, they praised, but then they proclaimed. They proclaimed. They told everybody else. Then they went, took it a step further. Watch, watch. 
And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loose. Not just their bands, everyone's bands. So what Paul and Silas were doing in their cell impacted and affected everybody else. Do you hear me, child of God? What you do at your workplace impacts and affects everybody around you. What you do in your home, mamas and daddies, impacts and affects everyone around you. What you do, church member, pastor, what you do, what we do, affects and impacts everyone around us. Everybody's bands were loosened because of what was happening in this one cell. And it must have made a big difference on him. Watch. Verse 27. And the keeper of the prison, waking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we, we are all here. Not some of us are here, not most of us are here. We're all here. Wow. Now I'm going to tell you something. If I am in prison and I have a chance to leave prison and the doors are shook loose and my chains are shook loose something amazing is going to have to be happening for me not to run out of that prison I'll just be honest with you pre-Jesus I'm not proud of this I'm just telling you pre-Jesus I spent two days and county lockup. If there would have been an earthquake and the prison doors would have been shook loose, you would have not had to tell me which way to run. And we had color TV. But evidently, Something was happening in this prison for all of them to stay. I'll tell you what's happening. The power of God had shook this place. Let me tell you what I love. I love when the power of God meets with us and works on us. And then we just don't even want to leave when church is over. We'll just stand out in the parking lot and talk for 45 minutes to an hour because you just like being around it. You just, want to, you just want to hang out in it. I love that. I love that. And I think that's kind of what, to a much higher degree, is happening right here. They're, they've experienced the power of God, earth-shaking power. They've experienced something that they can't believe and they want to, they're willing to stay risking life and limb to see what's going on. It impacted these folks greatly, wouldn't you agree? Watch, watch what else though. The, the jailer comes in and he's like, you know what, they've already charged me to keep y'all in prison and then they put a second charge on me um, that I better not let you go. And so he understood and realized that he was going to be killed if he lost these prisoners. He understood and realized he would be tortured because they'd given him a second order not to let these brothers go. Paul and Silas need to stay in this prison, and we're charging you to keep them. So he knew he was about to go through great torture and death, and so he said, I might as well get it over myself. He takes out his sword and starts to fall on it. And Paul says, well, no, 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 wait, wait just a second. I've got to tell you something. I've got to tell you something. We're all still here. 
And so the jailer then comes in and he falls down before Paul and he says, what I got to do to be saved? What? Paul ain't said nothing about being saved. At least what we've read. I think you got to read between the lines a little bit here. See, let me tell you what I think happened. Paul and Silas get brought in on these trumped up charges that they're disturbing the peace because they've set a woman free by the power of God. They get in there and the jailer's like, well, man, they've told me we got to keep you in the prison. They put a second charge on me, so you go into the dungeon. You must have done something terrible. And Paul's like, well, all I'm doing is just preaching Jesus. You ever heard of Jesus? Jesus changed my life on the road to Damascus. I was on my way to Damascus. I was about to go and persecute this new way, these new believers, and I met the risen Christ. And he changed everything. And since then, he's took me all over the world. I've been preaching the gospel and I've saw souls saved. Listen, I saw people healed. I saw God do things that only God can do. That's the Jesus I know. Do you know him, Mr. Jailer? You ever been saved? Do you know the Lord? Are you a Christian? Because I want to tell you how you can be a Christian. I want to tell you what it means to truly be born again so that you can know the God I know. And the jailer probably laughed him off because he was a Roman citizen serving pagan gods. But now the power of God has shook the place. Now everything's changed. So he comes walking in and he says, hey, tell me about this Jesus. How can I be saved? You remember the one you was telling me about? How is it made real to me? And so Paul just keeps proclaiming. He says, well, I'll tell you what you got to do. You got to repent, believe by faith, then I'm going to baptize you and your family if you'll do this. And him and all his house repented, placed their faith in Jesus, and were baptized, and then they had a meal together. Isn't that good? Folks, I'm going to tell you something. I'm sorry you're in your dungeon, whatever it looks like. But you can make a real difference when you make the right decision to handle your dungeon the right way. You need to pray. Give it to the Lord. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7 that we need to cast our care upon the Lord because He cares for us. He cares for us. He cares for you this morning. So cast your care upon Him. That's prayer. And then we need to praise because He's still worthy. He hadn't changed. He's still on His throne. Still worthy of praise. Jeff and Sherry Easter used to sing a song. Do y'all remember? I think it was called Praise Him Through the Pain. Is that right? I think that's what it was. Anyway, I love that song. But that's what they're talking about there. It's so powerful. Keep praising the Lord, man. He's still worthy. God's still on his throne. Keep trusting. And then keep proclaiming. Man, keep living out your faith. Don't quit. Don't give up. That's what the enemy wants you to do. People are looking at you in this dungeon time. See how you're going to react. What a testimony it is when we react the right way by the power of God. God's able. Keep the faith. I will look unto the hills. My head's down, but I'm going to raise it up. I'm going to look to the hills from whence comes my help. Everybody stand together. I don't know what you need.